Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. Can you think of a moment when you prayed the last time you prayed and you asked God for something that was so much bigger than you that you considered that a brave prayer moment? Can you think of that? Can you think of a moment maybe recently that you said, okay, God, I'm going to pray this prayer, and this is a big, brave prayer for me, but here's what I have, and you gave it to God, and you were like, okay, God, it's all on you. Because, by the way, God is not, like, scared by your prayers. Did you know that? Did you know that God is not intimidated by the big prayer? Like, God is not in heaven, like, in his throne, and he's like, and you're praying a prayer, and he's like, whoa, that's too big for me. Let me talk to some of my friends and see if we can put something together. Like, God is not intimidated by a big prayer, asking him for something big. And oftentimes, most of us would agree, that's silly. I know. I know that God is bigger than my prayers. But the question is not whether we think God is bigger than our prayers. The question is, are we praying prayers that that show that? Because we can believe it in our head, God is bigger than these prayers. But then are our prayers reflecting how big God truly is? Are we asking him for big things? Are we asking him for, to, to, to show us something bigger? See, when we think of brave, I talked last week a little bit about what brave looks like, right? And so when we think of bravery and fighting, maybe in the Bible, let's look for a moment. Uh, one person to consider would be probably the warrior King David would be a great example of what it means to be brave, There's several brave people throughout the Bible, but for a moment, we could think about some of the encounters that he had, right? For for some of you that have read through the Bible, you know, Genesis to the maps kind of thing, the Bible tells us stories of stories of stories of different people, but David specifically, there there were stories of him and, and taking on a lion and a bear, and he fought, and it was well documented that he also fought, I don't know, a big dude. Right? His name was Goliath. And, you know, back to the felt boards. Some of y'all remember the felt boards, and you got David and Goliath. And, you know, his ongoing battles that he had as king. But David did something, watch this now, even braver than this. Yes, braver than the lion, braver than the bear, braver than the giant. And I want to get to that. Today, I want to reveal the bravest prayer that you could ever pray to God. Now, maybe you're ready to pray that prayer. Maybe you're not. I'll get to that in just a moment. But David went before God and asked God for something. And he prayed a very brave prayer. That brings me to my message title, Let the Search Begin. Let the search begin. How many ever played, uh, when you were a kid, you played hide and seek, right? Some of y'all played before service. I don't know. You ever played hide and seek and there's that, always that one kid that hides like in the weirdest place and you're like, how do you fit there? You ever, <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, how did, and you know that you know, and, and I remember as, a, as, a, as an evangelist, I would preach at these camps and stuff, and as the speaker, you got the target on your back, no matter what you do, whether you play dodgeball. I, I learned not to play dodgeball with kids at a camp, because they're like, I get to hit the speaker. Like, the, the like, don't harm my prophets kind of thing is not really in their scope of mindset. But I remember one of the things that they loved to do is that they would do a, a counselor-student uh, thing where the counselors would hide and there were bonus points for the higher officials. And if you get the speaker, it was a huge deal. 
But I was petrified of some of these kids and what they would do is they found me on a tree somewhere. I found them and like ripped me off a tree because they wanted extra points. I go home with a broken arm, a dislocated, you know, forehead. I don't know. Can you do that? I don't know that that's a thing. Chase, look into it, please. I don't know if you can do that, but I was always, but there's always that, that, that hide and seek thing. What I'm looking for this morning, I need us to understand that there's a search that begins. And before I reveal what that, what that one thing is, the most bravest prayer that we can pray, I want to reveal two things, two types of prayer that are, that are normal in our everyday life, or at least should be. Number one is faith-confirming prayers. For those of you that take notes, it's a good moment to take notes. Two categories of prayers, faith-confirming prayers. Now, what are faith-confirming prayers? I'll get to that in a second. The second one is faith-building prayers. Now, let's look at faith-confirming prayers for a moment, right? Because some prayers that we pray confirm that we have faith. Like, for instance, faith-confirming prayer looks like this. Lord, bless me, bless my family, my children, and my church, and my pastor who has serious issues. Okay, that's faith-confirming prayers. Hopefully you haven't prayed that prayer totally through. I don't know. It sounds like, Lord, please give me a good-paying job. Faith-confirming prayers. Lord, let me do well on this test or this interview. Lord, heal my friend or Lord, forgive me for what I have done. Those are faith-confirming prayers. How many ever prayed a prayer like that, right? You probably haven't prayed if you haven't prayed a prayer like that. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about then. That's the only way you haven't prayed faith-confirming prayers because there is very little risk in it for us. You see, these prayers aren't wrong. They're normal. They're everyday prayers and we need them, right? They participate in understanding that I am a, a person in need and God, you can supply that. And there's nothing wrong with that at all because they're a reflection of what we believe. Who's with me so far? Those are faith-confirming prayers. However, those prayers aren't prayed to build faith. You notice that? You pray those prayers because you have a measure of faith already. You have a measure of faith in your life that says, I have enough faith to pray this prayer, right? And some of you are like, it's just like this much sometimes. I have just enough prayer faith to believe God for. Lord, let me get to work without running out of gas. Lord, like That's how much prayer I have right there. That's that's the extent of my faith sometimes. See, that doesn't build our faith. That just confirms that we have some. Who's with me? Right? So there are faith-confirming prayers. Lord, this is what I believe enough to pray this prayer. Now, then there are the second side of that is almost like the, the, the prayer on steroids. Okay? There's the faith-building prayers. Everybody say faith-building prayers. See, a faith-building prayer sounds a little bit more like this. God, use me today to help somebody come to know Jesus and open my eyes to the opportunity and stretch me to see what you see and love the unlovable. How many know that when you pray that, that is a scary prayer to pray? First of all, for some of you, I, I like completely lost you in the first sentence because you said, help me somebody to come to know Jesus. I'm still trying to figure out where Jesus is. Some of you are like, I, I know that he's in the Bible and I know I hear about him every week and I'm still trying to figure out who Jesus is. So how am I supposed to let somebody else know who Jesus is? That is way beyond my scope of understanding. I'm not there yet. Some of you have felt like that once upon a time, right? Where when you first come to Jesus, you're, you're kind of in that moment where you're like, Lord, help build my faith so I can tell somebody about Jesus. I got to open my mouth and tell them about Jesus. That's a scary thing for some people. 
And I understand that. Because it doesn't come naturally just to anybody. It has to come something. It has to be deliberate. That faith-building prayer has to be something you decided to do. It doesn't come like wake up in the morning and unless that is part of your ritual every single morning. So you pray, Lord, help somebody come know Jesus. And then you say, stretch me and then let me love the unlovable. How many know it's easy to love the lovable? But not so easy to love the unlovable. Right? So some of you work with both of those people. You know, some of you know people like that where you're like, I love people. And then there's you. (laughs) Hopefully you don't do that. That's weird. And not Christ-like, by the way. (laughs) I love everybody, but you. Like, that's not. But we at least... We don't say it out loud, but we think it in our hearts sometimes. I really like this person, that person, that person, not so much. I could do without them. But to ask God, now watch this, to ask God to help me see them the way God sees them, that's a stretch. Because I want to just remind you, it's just a friendly reminder, um, Jesus died for them too. Just a housekeeping issue real quick, just... I want to just set the song, you know. Jesus died for them too. And that's hard sometimes for us to understand. But praying prayers like, like that invite God into our space in a way that can be also a little bit uh, unnerving. Lord, what do you mean? You want me to talk to somebody about you? That's, I'm such an introvert. And some of you pride yourself so much in being an introvert, you forget who's in you that will cause you to do things you could have never done without him. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that introvert has an outrovert inside of you. Did you know the Holy Spirit is not an introvert? He's just inside because that's the way he operates. But his operation does not stay in there. That's not just where the Holy Spirit stays. He wants to be the extrovert in your introvert. So if you're an introvert this morning, you're saying, Pastor Tony, I really, that's not my calling. That's not my gift. Can I tell you something? That God has gifted you with an extrovert to do the work and help you. You just got to be willing to let him use it. Are you with me? Your lips, your hands, your feet, whatever it is he wants to use. If you say, God, help me, he can and he will. Which leads me into where we're going because when you pray prayers like these faith-building prayers, can I tell you something? That's flesh intruding. It intrudes upon your selfishness. It stomps on your personal Uh, sometimes your own, even your own personal beliefs that you may have grown up with, how dare God intrude on your family, like rituals that you had or some sort of thing that you you heard your mom or your grandmom say. And I used to always challenge my grandma. She didn't like that. My grandma would say things that were like, she knew scripture, but she also knew things that were like common, like, bumper sticker things and she would say the bible tells us this and i would be like where grandma she'd be like is this in there (laughs) i'd be like grandma and she'd be like eat your food (laughs) and so i i I loved it because i was like i know what she means she means well she wants me to follow Jesus. She wants me to love Jesus. She wants me to know. But it's flesh intruding, right? When you pray, God, use me, what you're doing is you're telling the flesh, you're second. You're second to the spirit. You're second to God. And that, look at me. Everyone look at me for a moment. Every eye, I'm going to wait till everybody looks. I'm waiting. Okay, everybody looking. When you ask God for the Spirit of God to move in you, your flesh will be intruded upon. You will be uncomfortable. You will have moments that you don't feel 
capable of doing such a thing. But that's how we know God is in it. When our flesh is a distant second and the Spirit of God is moving in us and we're like, I want to say something, but I'm, I don't feel like I'm qualified. And there's some of you in this room that you've been dealing with the whole idea of being qualified. And I'm telling you something, that wherever the Spirit is, it's qualified. So let God right there in you work. And so what is this? Let me reveal this brave, the bravest thing I ever seen David do. Yes, he fought a giant. Yes, he fought other things. He fought other large animals. But the bravest thing we ever seen David do was pray this prayer in Psalm 139. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 139. Come on. For some of you who don't know where Psalm 139 is split right in the middle of your Bible. It starts with a P. It's Psalm. Okay? Because some of you are like S, S, Psalm, Psalm. Psalm 139. And I want you to turn there and I want you to see it. When you got it, say, I got it. Okay, for those of you that are still in in Psalm 13, keep going. Psalm 139, when you got it, say, I got it. Okay, so it's a real simple prayer, yet it is the most profound, and yet, in my opinion, one of the bravest prayers ever prayed. If I could have the house lights up for those that don't have Bibles that light up. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Two verses. And it prays like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Hear me, the bravest prayer you could ever pray starts with, search me. Search me. Now, my first thought this morning is how do we get to this place in our lives where we're brave enough to trust God? You have your keys with you. You have keys. Can I get a pair of keys? Let me ask you this question real quick. If all of a sudden David says, search me, something happened in his life that put him in a position, right? So let me ask you this question. So here's a pair of keys. If I told you, hey, could you do me a favor? Could you take a look and see if my keys are in the sanctuary? You probably walk in and you'd be like, this is where he sat. And you probably come over and say, "Um, yeah, I I didn't see them. You probably take a quick look around, look, and then you come back and you say, I didn't see them. But if I was to then tell you, would you do me a favor? Would you search the sanctuary for my keys? The request implies a deeper task than probably just a glance or a look. You might, it might be underneath something and it might be tucked away or something. But if I said search the sanctuary for my keys, you would probably look at the word and the verbiage and the request and look differently than if I just said look. See, David didn't say look and know how I'm feeling and what I'm doing. He said search. Notice If somebody's missing, it's called search and rescue, not just look. Anybody could stand up somewhere in a helicopter and they could just look. But searching means that they got divers going into the water. Searching means they're they're going door to door. Searching means they go beyond the normal task. Who's with me? 
Anybody walking with me, trucking with me a little bit? You understand that when David prayed this prayer, look at me. He was praying one of the bravest prayers scriptures ever seen. And some of us overlook it and we go, I always ask God to search. But do we? Oftentimes, I would dare say that most of us don't ask God to search. We give him whatever we're willing to give up. When you look at this passage, some, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to register for a moment. I need you to hear this a lot more than just a, at a glance. I need you to understand that when David prays, search me, he's like, I may not know some things that's wrong with me, and I need your help. Because oftentimes, oftentimes what we do is we say, God, Here's the thing I'm willing to give you. Forgive me. Here's the thing I'm willing to give up. God, help me do better here. Lord, I've struggled in this area of my life and I realize I need help here. And those are the things we surrender. But when you pray a prayer like, search me, that's dangerous. That's dangerous because we realize that it's going to be extensive, it's going to be intrusive, and it's going to be intensive in that, Lord, uh, don't stop until you find it. Find the things in my heart that make me disloyal to you. If we're going to do a series on brave, right, because... uh, we're going to be having a special services next week, which I, listen, look at me for a second. I need you to know, this Saturday, this Sunday morning, and next Sunday night, three services, back to back to back. We're going to have a guest speaker. Some of you young people know who he is. He is uh, going to be blessing this church. Be here. Can I tell you something? Be here. Move things around. Move your schedule. Saturday night, 6.30. Sunday morning at 10. Saturday night, uh, Sunday night at 6.30 again. Be here. There's going to be a special time of worship and prayer and it's speaking. Can I tell you something? Those are the moments that you're going to, I'm going to ask you to pray through the week a brave prayer. Lord, search me. Search me this week. And when we're here next week, search me, oh God. Why? Because it's going to be intensive for three services. We're going to have that spring revival. We're going to pray God to move in our lives, move in our hearts. But guess what? What makes a revival a revival is when you say, search me, God. Because there's some things in me that are not right. You follow me? So understand this. That we look at our hearts and our hearts can lie. How many have ever been lied to by your heart? How many have have ever fallen victim to your heart? But I feel like, but I I feel like this is what we should do. Well, you feel did wrong. (laughs) It's not a word, I know, I know. But I have the microphone, I can make up words. I feel did it so right, Pastor Tony, but I feel did it so wrong afterwards. I really felt like God had a hand on this and I I, could have put money on it if I could. And and then all of a sudden I realized I was wrong. Can I tell you something? When you pray God search me, it helps us to get some of those things right because we ask God to come to the areas that we haven't exposed to him yet. Right? If I hire out a company to come clean right and I say uh go ahead and clean the carpets and I have them come clean the carpets but I lock certain doors they would go up and they would go I guess they don't want me to clean this carpet they would they might come and ask and I say no you can't go in that room but you need to clean the carpet they'd be like I can't clean the carpet if not I'm not in the room that doesn't make sense That is exactly the way we approach God. I want to be this, but I'm not going to let you there. You just need to let it make it happen without letting you in the room. It would be absolutely 
absurd for us to expect that carpet to be clean in that locked room, but yet that's exactly what we do with God when we say, God, I want to be holy. I want to be this and I want to be that, but yet we don't. We lock all the doors and we're like, here's the area you have to work with. But yet I want to be this and I want to be that. And God is like, listen, if you really want me, I need access. Somebody say access. And so access allows us to give God parts of our life that we normally would not have. So when we say, Lord, forgive me, we're giving him things that we know of. When we say, search me, what we're saying is, there's some things I do know, but there's some things I don't. Find it. Like my keys. Search me. Everybody say, search me. Search me. The second one that he prayed in that prayer, he said, test me. Everybody say, test me. Now, this is where it gets a little iffy. Some of you like, search me, but test me? I don't do good with tests. Give me multiple choice. 50-50. True or false? Who likes true or false over four or four options? Some of you are like, I don't know, I can kind of cancel certain things out. But some of you are like, 50-50 is all I got because I know nothing. It's all or nothing. So I don't know, depending on where you are in life, testing for some of you is, man, the word of God is, is very real. And when we say, God, search me, test me, test me is a very important part of Christianity. See, Jeremiah 7, oh, excuse me, 17 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And some say, some would say desperately sick, like the English Standard Version. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Are you seeing this? Search me and test. Jeremiah was praying a similar prayer than David was praying. Did you see that? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways. And so Jeremiah actually is prophesying what the Lord is saying here in Jeremiah. And the Lord says, I search the heart and I test the mind to give every man according to his what? Ways according to the what? Fruit of his deeds. God is willing to give you what you're willing to give up. The measure to which you're willing to give up, he's willing to give right back to you. If you give little to God, now, this is not an offering talk, just heads up. All right, some of you are like, this is an offering talk? How do we get to the offering? No, no, this is about the heart, right? The measure to which you give God, he gives back. The measure of miracle you receive is directly connected to the measure of seeds you produce from the beginning. You with me? The amount of seeds you put in, the amount of fruit that comes out. And he says, according to the fruit of his deeds. And so God is allowing us to understand that he is testing us. Testing you requires a look at your heart and where you stand on certain matters. People would rather be searched than tested. Most people would rather be searched. Lord, search me. That is a brave, brave prayer. But then you turn to test me. That means trouble. That means I have to live up to what I'm thinking. That has to, has to do with I have to live up to what I said I would do. And that's not easy. How many agree with that part, right? It's not easy. You can easily say, God, I will do. And then he's like, okay, then do. You're like, hold up, time out. Um, about that, I'm working on it. Circle back, I'll get to you. Right? Like, test me is a very big prayer. See, God uses testing to check our faith and, and develop our spiritual maturity. But we don't want the testing, we want the maturity. Most of us want no testing, but all the hundreds and the A pluses. Right? 
I never got an A plus on a test I didn't take. I never got an A plus. Some of you, good morning. Some of you heard the tap. They're like, come in. Oh, I'm still in service. Welcome back. I never got a, I never got an A plus on a test I never took. James 1 tells us boldly, watch this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Oh, I wish that wasn't in there. How many ever read a scripture that said, I wish that wasn't in there? Jesus, can you just get, like, give me heavenly white out? Just, can I get one mulligan? Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Listen, the word trials in this passage comes from the Greek word parasmus. Parasmus, which means to experiment, attempt, trial, or proving. Look at that again. Experiment, attempt, trial, and proving. You see, the, the, the New Testament Greek lexicon explains that in that times of testing can be watched as the trial of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and consistency. What does that mean? That means that when God puts trial, what he's saying is, let's see if you meant what you said. That's what the Greek word means. So when it's saying test, that parasmus, that Greek, the original context, it's saying, let's see if what I said will come to pass. And so that trial, that testing, is going to be tried to see if it's true. How many of you ever uh, had a friend and something happened and you found out afterwards that your friend stayed loyal to you or stuck by you even when everybody else didn't. You have, how many of you have a friend like that that you, at one point in your life, maybe you know that person just stuck up for you or stood by you and you're like, wow. You know what? That's what, that's what integrity does when you're faced with trial. Because that moment when that trial comes, the real you will come to the surface. See, a lot of people think that trials make us. But the truth is, the testing of your heart doesn't make you, it just reveals you. I'm going to let that marinate, because Latinos, we like to let stuff marinate. Okay, just let it marinate. Let it sit. Because testing your heart, some of you think, God is testing me so I can be stronger. Well, yes, but the testing isn't what makes you stronger. The testing reveals whether you were stronger to begin with. That testing reveals you. Is this helping anybody? Because it's helping me as I was studying this. I'm like, Lord, I really want to be a brave husband. I want to be a brave father. I want to be a brave follower of Jesus. And most of us would pray that prayer, right? I want to be brave. And, and I want to be not just like textbook brave. I want to be standing for a faith that, that, that really does make an impact in someone's life. You know what makes an impact in someone's life? When you said you were going to do something and you do it. That's what makes an impact on people's lives. And brave prayers are prayers that people pray when you say, Lord, search me and test me. And our hearts make us believe that we have to keep up some kind of false image. And that's what Jeremiah is talking about. He's talking about our heart is desperately wicked. Why? Because our heart wants what we want, not what the heart of God wants. That's how come we ask God for the heart of God. Right? Who's with me? We ask, Lord, let me have your heart because my heart is damaged from the sinful nature because my heart wants what I want. My heart wants all the benefits and none of the trial. My heart wants the A plus and no testing. My heart tells me I'm perfectly okay, but God's heart says, no, you're not, sweetheart. I love you too much to leave you that way. 
my man, you're trying to lead your family, but you care more about your job than your kids. Father, you love your kids and your wife, but you love that money more because your job as provider has superseded your job as husband and father. You're supposed to be those simultaneously. And when you care more about certain things than you do the things that God has given you charge over, God will challenge that. And the question is, how will you come out at the other end of that? So there are some people that live their lives and they say, man, that testing, man, that, just, that testing just made me be this. No, that testing revealed this. And that's a hard one to hear, but it's very much truth right there. That is truth right there. Testing reveals who you are. And when we ask God to test our hearts, you'd be amazed at the kind of things that God shows us about ourselves. Yeah? Because I didn't know how much I didn't know until I took that test. <laughs> how many of you ever took a test and you looked at it and you said, wow, I haven't seen that much red since... Right? I know I've taken plenty. Anybody else? Some of you are too, too, too holy or prideful to admit that you've had an overdose of red on your paper once upon a time. I'm like, when did they change the color of this paper? It's all red now. No, that was just marked up from all my errors. Because we look at ourselves and we go, I don't know that I want to admit that I have that many faults. So to search me, that's a brave prayer. Test me gets even deeper into the same prayer. Now, are you ready for the third one? No. <laughs> Let us pray. Father in heaven. I'll leave that for next week. Um, The third one, know my anxious thoughts. Oh, yeah, me too. David said, Lord, while you're searching me, while you're in there, kind of like when you're at a mechanic, you'd be like, yeah, I got the sound on my thing. While you're in there, can you just give it an oil change, tire rotation, <laughs> like alignment, like while you're in there. Search me, yeah, do that thing. And then when you're, when you're, while you're searching me, test me. And while you're testing me, Lord, by the way, know my anxious thoughts. Know me well enough to know my anxious thoughts and help me to know where I am. That's a hard prayer. How many know that's a brave prayer to ask God, right? You feeling what I'm saying today? So know my anxious thoughts is huge because anxious thoughts are produced by fears. Now watch this really closely with me for a moment. Fear, fears are seeds that produce anxious thoughts. Now I'm going to go deep for a moment, but I'm going to come up for air, all right? I'm going to go deep, I'm going to come up for air. Fear of losing a job. Fear of running out of money, fear of not getting into a school, fear of failure, fear of not getting married by a certain age, fear of being locked into a, a, a bad marriage, fear of losing a relationship because of sickness or disease, fear, 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 fear. And that fear, you know what that fear does? Fears are seeds that produce anxious thoughts. If we got fears here and fears there, here, fear, there, fear, everywhere, a fear, fear. And you got a fear and you got a fear and you get a fear. Everybody gets a fear. We have an abundance of fears. We live post-COVID. Post-pandemic, everybody's developed some sort of fear. And I want to call it out for what it is. Because those are seeds that produce anxious thoughts. They are fear, fear, 
fear and all that happens is you sit back and you take it punch to punch to punch. And you say, how many more could I take? God says, you shouldn't take that many. Because every fear is a seed and you're thinking about it and now that fear has now grown into a full-grown adult and that full-grown adult is anxiousness. And then that turns into other things. Get me? Panic attacks. Anxiety medicines that have to be taken. All that. It all started. Look at me. Everyone. Everyone. It all started with fear. So as your pastor, I have to call it out. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling the fear out. You liar. You stinking liar. Because all you've been doing is sitting on the shoulders of God's people, telling them what they're not. And God hung on a cross in the form of Jesus Christ to tell you who you are. Lies. Over and over again, the fears are being rattled off one by one. You are this. You are that. You are this. You're no good. You're this. You're a mistake. You're a failure. You're this. And God says, you are not that. You are everything I called you to be. That's why I hung. I'm sick and tired of the body of Christ living in anxious thoughts. David said, know my anxious thoughts. Why? Because David, even David himself, had his anxiety moments that he had to give to God. Because something slipped through the crack. Some of you let fear slip through the crack and you thought it wasn't a big deal. And you said, you know what, God? I'm, I'm, I'm working here. I'm trying. I'm trying to do this and I'm trying. Stop trying and decide to do it. Do it or don't. But give him. Say, God, search me and test me. But God, know my anxious thoughts. Because if you know my anxious thoughts, you can then know how to speak to me and help me to know that I really want to know you. But my anxiety and my fears get the best of me. And I want to make this really clear. Everyone in this room has had anxious thoughts because there's not a single person that has caught every fear that has come their way. So don't don't let this be a singled out moment where, oh, this is just me in this room. I'm the only one that had anxious. No, no. You are one of an entire region of people. Hello? And by region, I mean the world. Because the world has all these different things that have come their way and we have not caught them all. Yeah? How many ever played the games back in the day? Remember those 80s games like like an asteroid or something and they got coming down you got the ship at the bottom? You know what I'm talking about? And that bloop, bloop, and you shoot it and you bloop, bloop, and you shoot and you shoot the, the, the comets that are coming and you're like bloop, bloop, and you shoot it and it blows up and then some of them get by and then you slowly start to lose strength but then you're still shooting and you're still knocking some out but some are getting by. That's life. Look at me. That's Christianity in 8-bit form. Some things just get by us, right? Some, we don't catch them all. We don't catch all the fears. We catch some and we're like, bloop, we blew it up. Yes, I got that one. There are three that just passed me. Darn it. I celebrate one and three passed me. Christianity can feel like that. But watch this. Watch this. Look at me. There's hope. Can you ask me Why? Because Jesus said, I knew you would miss some. David knew he missed some. So he said, know my anxious thoughts. Why? Because anxiousness comes from a myriad of fears that have been left untouched. So when we understand that the word of God tells us to cast out all fear, That perfect love casts out all fear. You know what that means? Lord, I love you enough to help me. I love you enough to ask you to help me by searching me and testing me 
And loving God helps those things to happen a lot more easier. Watch this. Where do you trust God in the least? It's very easy to ask you where you trust God in the most. But can I ask you a question? Where do you trust God in the least? And everybody has a slightly different answer, I would say. There's probably some that would say, I trust God in the least in my finances. I trust God in the least in my marriage because we've been married so long I understand how things go and yada, yada. You can make excuses all you want, but that's where you trust God in the least. Some of you trust God in the least by your time. Some of you trust God in the least in other areas. But our fears often show us where we trust God in the least. Can I say that? I'm going to be real honest that a lot of times our fears are just a reflection of where we don't trust God as much. That, again, let me, let me, this is not a condemnation moment and it's never been. Are you hearing my heart? This is not about how could you. This is a how can we not. Because oftentimes those fears, they come from areas that we lack our trust in God. But if we acknowledge it, if we say, I fear God here because I trust God least here, then we can do something about it. Is that right? If I lack trust, I will start to propel fear. I will give fear dominance in my life. This realization is, again, not condemning revelation, but correcting. We have to correct what God has revealed. Why will God reveal something to you that he doesn't want you to correct? He doesn't. Can I say that again? God does not reveal something to you about yourself that he doesn't want you to correct. He reveals it so you can... Now I'm saying I'm talking about a sin or a fear or a struggle. He's not saying such and such person, sister A and brother B, here's an area you need to work on, but don't worry about it. I got it. No, he revealed it so you can deal with it. And he says, my spirit will be within you to help you conquer that. Isn't that good news? That's what makes us brave. That's what causes us to be able to pray a prayer like that and actually come through with it. So, what am I saying? When David asks, see if there's any offensive way in me, he's saying there's some things I don't even know about. Is there a possibility? Look at me. Is there a possibility that there's something in your life that you may not know offends God? Right? Oh, then let me get right into the living room for a moment. For example, has anyone ever told you, you're a little too short with people sometimes? But you responded with, no, I'm just direct, that's all. Or someone told you one time, you're too critical of others. And you said, I just call it like it is. Has anyone ever said to you, that wasn't very loving? And you say, well, that's what he deserved. Or that's what she deserved. Can I tell you something? Is there a possibility? Some of you are looking at me weird. Is there a possibility that you might not just be offending people, but offending the Lord? Where is Christ's likeness in that? See, when you say search me, it's in your living room. So if you're saying words like this, that's part of the search. It takes a special kind of bravery to decide to say, God, search me, test me, know my anxious thoughts. What made David brave was that he was willing to ask the Lord, Lord, what is in my heart that is offensive to you? By our actions, we can't stop there. We have an obligation to respond to him. Amen? And this is where you come in. I'm really glad you're here. 
because this whole this brave thing that we started last week, this this uh, small series, uh, is, is about us shaping our minds as Christ would want it to be, not as we would deem comfortable enough to live this faith. Because some people be okay with a faith that's comfortable enough to don't rock my world. Like, don't rock the boat. I just want to be a good Christian person. But you can't be a, you can be a good Christian person that's not impactful. See, the enemy is okay with you going to church as long as you don't do anything that requires you to go deeper. Attending a place is not going to change everything. What you do there matters. So he's okay with you getting up and coming to church. But when you start saying, search me, test me, know my anxious thoughts, you're going beyond attendance. You're going into, Lord, I don't want to attend the church. I want the church to be in me. I want the spirit of God to work through me. And that's a game changer. That's a game changer. So let me, let me kind of land this plane for a moment. As God reveals to us our sin and our struggles, see, David had to wrestle with that in Psalm 139, right? He had to say, Lord, search me and test me and know my anxious thoughts. Our sin always acts as a stumbling block. How many have ever stumbled on your sin? And then you had to realize Jesus Christ died on the cross so that I can live life to the fullest, not so I could stumble my way into heaven. On the third day, he rose again so that you don't have to stumble anymore. If all you're living for is just this life, just remember, your life is going to be over far quicker than you ever imagined, and heaven lasts a whole lot longer than this earth. In that same respect, hell is a lot longer than what's on this earth. And you will wonder, where did time go? Because it feels like just a few years ago, I was handing my son fake keys for a little power wheels. And now this week, I handed him real keys to some powerful wheels. And it just like that. Years are gone. And now the question is, Jesus makes it very clear that when he reveals something, he reveals it for a response. So I ask you, is it true when the Bible says that life is a vapor? Does it matter that eternity is far longer than this earth? Yes. So where are you in relationship with the Father? Because this life will come and go, and it's the next one that we're living for. We're living our life so that people around us can live to the next one. And so I have one more thought I want to share with you because our deceitful heart, we were just talking about the heart, our deceitful hearts keep us from finding the love, the acceptance, and the fellowship found with God's people. Now watch this. It defaults to isolation instead of propelling us toward the way and the will of God. Our heart wants to do what it wants to do regardless of how we feel. But it doesn't propel us to the way and will of God. It defaults to isolation. And you cannot ask God, search me, test me, know my anxious thoughts in isolation from everything else in the world. We need each other. Because there's times I can go to a brother or a sister and be like, man, how was your week? And I can honestly say, man, it's been a rough week. Can we just demask for a moment? Just put our mask down and say, God, I need to give you my heart and in this case, my anxious thoughts. And there's some of you that have had a rough couple of weeks. And I want to give you a moment to respond to God for a few moments. 
So if you're here in this room today or you're watching online, I want to invite you right now. Right, you say, well, Pastor Tony, I don't want anyone. In fact, I want to, I want, here's what I want you to do. If we're talking about being brave, I don't want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to open your eyes and keep your head up. Because I'm asking you to do the bravest thing that we've asked anyone to do here today. Is to admit that you need God to search you. You with me? So with every head up and every eye open, I'm going to ask you, if you willingly be brave enough to say, God, search me, test me, know my anxious thoughts, stand right where you are right now, if you're willing to say that. Normally I say, look at me, everybody look at me for a moment. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around. Look around. Look at behind you. You're not the only one that needs searching. You're not the only one that's asking God for testing. You're not the only one that's asking God to help you with your anxious thoughts. Because we've all been there. And like that asteroid game, we let things get by sometimes. And those things cause so many anxious thoughts that they actually form your doctrine. And that doctrine says God failed me. I don't need anybody because everybody fails me. And that is a lie from the absolute pit of hell. God loves you. He cares about you. And he wants you to know that there is life in Jesus alone. And if you're here this morning, you say, I have anxious thoughts. But I want to be brave, God. Without caring a a lick about whoever else comes up. If it's just you, get in your mind right now. It may just be you. Chances are it's not, but get in your mind. It may just be you. Are you willing to still come right now in three, two, one? Come, meet me right here. I want to be brave, and I want God to search my anxious thoughts. I want to know. Come on, turn that music up just a bit. Because here's what I want you to do. I want you, as you come on up here, come on up here, fill every spot. We got a lot of people coming. A lot of people are searching, searching their hearts. Come, 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 come. Last week, I made a, I made a request. I made a request. I said, come on up. Why? Because, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Bravery is not determined by the obstacle coming to you. Bravery is determined by how much you're willing to respond in a God-like form. Bravery is saying, I'm not responding because everything is great. I'm responding because no matter what, God is still great. Right? I need to be brave. I need to, I need to kill this anxiety in my heart because those fears are nasty little seeds. And they dig real deep. And what they do is they form this, this, uh, this formula of just ripping everything else like weeds it it destroys everything around it it overtakes it and anxiety is just a full blown weed destroying the beautiful flower of faith that God has put in your life and the only way I learned this a long time ago because I'm a city boy I didn't plant anything before and I didn't know anything about grass or weeds or anything I learned a long time ago. Well, I knew about weed. That was a whole different thing. That's a whole different story. That's another, that's another testimony for another day. But here's what I understood. Unless, unless I dig deep and rip the root out of that weed, it's going to grow back faster than any flower I have. When, whether I like it or not, I could be like, I don't like you. It's like, I don't care. I'm a weed. I'm going to grow. It's what I do. Let me tell you something. Fear and anxiety, it's what it does. Whether you like it or not, it's going to grow in your heart if you let it. So you have to decide, Lord, search me, test me. Why? I want you to, I want you to search me because there's things I don't know. I want you to test me because there are times that I, I, I need to be grown. I need to be stronger. But know my anxious thoughts. You know what that means? Look at the, the flower bed of my heart. And if there's anything that's anxious, it's because it's been there a long time. Because it started with fear and it grew to be anxious thoughts that are constant 
Anxious thoughts are not little little fears. Fear becomes anxious thoughts, and those anxious thoughts are constant. They bombard you, and you don't know where to turn. And you just end up just, I can't, I can't cause it to stop. That's where you need Christ to come and him just rip that root right out of your mind and say, the search begins today. Amen? The search begins today. Lord, search me. So here's what I want you to do right now. In any, in any way that you feel comfortable, lift your hands, whether it's short, medium, or high, whatever. But right now, say, God, search me. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Say that brave prayer right now if you're willing to. God, search me. Know me. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Father, I release faith in the name of Jesus. I release faith in the name of Jesus. I release faith. Faith. Lord, raise up a generation. Raise up a people that are willing to pray brave prayers. Brave prayers. Search me. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. And if there's any wicked thing in me, remove it as far as the east is from the west. Remove it. Remove it. I want nothing to do with it and I want nothing in my life that is opposite the will and purpose of God. In Jesus' name. Allow me to be brave not because I want to be brave but because I want to be more like Jesus. Heavenly Father, as hard as it is for me, I ask you to search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. God, test my motives. Reveal to me my anxious thoughts. And God, would you show me anything that is within me that would offend you? Show me anything that would offend a brother or a sister that my rights supersede what they feel, God. That I would be willing to apologize, willing to live my life in a way that would be God-honoring. God, I want to see you in me. I want to live and walk in you so I can become more like your son. Search me, oh God. Search me. If there's anything that displeases you, God, I ask you, move the furniture. Move everything till you could find the thing that is causing me to think this way, to act this way, to respond this way. God, I want to know you. And this thing has become a stumbling block to me. I need three or four brothers that know how to pray. I just felt led. Jason is back there, right back there. I need three or four brothers to go to Jason right now. Dan, would you, would you just lead over there? John, would you just lead over there? I need some brothers. Would you go back to Jason, back over there? I just felt led just for a moment here. Go back and pray over him right now. Him and I had a conversation this week. He needs to hear from heaven. Anybody else need to hear from heaven? Man, woman, boy, and girl, anybody else right now, just begin to say, God, I trust you. Search my heart, oh God. Friends, this is not a this is not a typical message. This is something straight from heaven. I'm telling you that God is raising up a generation of, of believers that have to be brave in this day. That, listen, some of you are like, I don't know that he that this I can handle what's happening in our culture today. Can I be can I just be straight up honest with you? He would not have allowed you to live in this day and age if you didn't have the ability to do exactly what you need to do to, to, to not just survive but thrive in this current culture. 
you lived for this moment. God brought you to this moment. You have more than enough ability to live through this moment. Oh, the Spirit of God is in you and he's speaking to some of you right now. He's, he's confirming in your heart what I'm telling you right now. He's confirming in your heart right now. Let him speak to you. God is tired of telling you over and over again that he's there for you. Now he's just going to show you. He's just going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to fill your life with joy and you're going to be like, where did that come from? And I'm going to remind you who I was in your life once upon a time when you trusted me. But I dare you today to ask God, let the search begin, God. Let the search begin. There's nothing we can do to have you love us less or love us more. I'm grateful, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for the cross where thou hast died. Thank you for the price that you paid so I don't have to be anxious anymore. so much gratitude for what God did through his son today we say thank you thank you Jesus thank you for the price that you paid the blood that was spilled the price that was paid for me Everything that we are. 